0: Today, we're going to be discussing beverages. Um, We'll go through a bunch of different types of beverages and talk about if and why there would be cashless concerns with the different ones. Okay, and our first one is going to be water, simplest. Try to make it from simplest to more complicated. Simplest is water. So bottled water, per se, does not have any cashless concern. Same is true also, excuse me, of carbonated water, meaning seltzer. Um, Also, no cashless concern, as is. But if the water or the seltzer is flavored, then you need hashgacha for the flavor itself. Um, so like for example, so lots of seltzers are flavored and hard seltzer is almost always flavored. Um, hard seltzer also has other kosher sensitive ingredients, so it needs hashkacha. Now there most of the other additives that people put into water, such as fluoride or caffeine or minerals. Oh, most of them, just about all of them are innocuous or always baltabashishim. Um, but there are some additives that might be more sensitive, um, so if you're not sure, it's worthwhile to check with somebody who knows food ingredients to find that just in, in case there happens to be something that's a concern. Um, now, these water issues become a little more complicated on Pesach for two reasons. Um, first of all, some people, some points come of the opinion that carbon dioxide that's made from chametz or kidneys, um, which is not as unusual as you might think, so some people are of that opinion that that's kham, that, that is that is on Pesach. So that would mean is that the carbonated drinks... Uh, the carbonated water automatically has that potential issue. And second is there are some additives that are added to water or to seltzer, which might be chametz, like for example sodium citrate. Um, and what happens is like this: um, when companies that bottle water, sometimes from the bottling to the t- to the time that it makes it to the s- to the supermarket is very short. Which means is it's possible that this chametz ingredient, let's say I mentioned sodium citrate, was added to the to the water to the water or the seltzer on Pesach. On Pesach, chametz is not bottled even if it's in the tiniest amount. And therefore, um, and it might show up in the supermarket before Pesach is over. So when a person going to the store in the middle of Pesach might be buying um, something with a small amount of chametz that was put in on Pesach, which couldn't be bottled. Had it been put in before Pesach, it would be bottled. But this is, a, this, so this is a possible concern. Um, <clears throat> so, um, <coughs> excuse me, so, now, both, the chances of this happening are pretty small, that the, that the ingredients should actually be chametz. Had it been kidneys, kidneys would be bought before Pesach. K- k- but, I'm sorry, even on Pesach. But the chances are, it, it is possible that it could be actually chametz, and that it was put in on Pesach, and by the time I, when I bought it, it had been, it was not bought on Pesach. Um, so, um, you know, some people, for that reason, choose to be more cautious and avoid any small chance of eating chametz, and would want to buy the stuff with, with hashgah, or buy it before Pesach. Okay, that, that that only helps for the second issue. It doesn't help for the carbon dioxide issue, which is of course a problem even if they bought it before Pesach. Okay, now our next group of uh, beverages are fruit juices. Now, the juice of almost all fruits and vegetables is inherently kosher. Um, one exception is grape juice. Uh, the grape juice it needs hashgache because uh, grapes that are the juice of grapes that's touched by someone who's not Jewish or poured by somebody is called Stam Yain. It wouldn't be kosher. So, so grape juice is an exception, but by and large, all other, um, juices, um, are inherently kosher. Now, what happens is that once you squeeze juice out of, a, out of a fruit, uh, it's going to spoil in a couple days unless you do something to keep it from spoiling. So that's not, obviously not very practical for our manufacturer. So one thing they could do is they could freeze it. Uh, and that, if you freeze the juice, there's no kosher's concern. Usually frozen juice is actually concentrated before freezing, and that also doesn't pose a kosher's concern. So frozen juice <clears throat> is okay without hashgacha, assuming it has no grape juice in it, and it doesn't have anything else, any other kosher-sensitive ingredients. If it's just pure juice, um, then that's okay. But that's one way of, of making sure the juice doesn't spoil. But much more common is that the juice is pasteurized. Pasteurization means is you heat the juice up for a couple of seconds, um, and that uh, neutralizes any pathogens that might be in there and prevents spoilage short-term or even sometimes long-term. Now, sometimes pasteurization is so strong that it makes a product which is shelf-stable, meaning it could be on the s- store, doesn't have to be in refrigeration, um, like a can of tomato juice or a juice box or a bottle of apple juice. The, those items sit on, before you open the package, they, don't, they won't spoil. The pasteurization is done so well. That they won't spoil as is. Other times, pasteurization is not as strong, <clears throat> and the juice, the, excuse me, the juice will be needs to be refrigerated um, to keep it from spoiling. Like think about orange juice. Um, that, that typically it's past, it is pasteurized, but typically it needs to be refrigerated to keep it to keep it from spoiling the pasteurization and the refrigeration together. Now, the, the equipment that people use to pasteurize, either type of the pasteurizations that I mentioned, that equipment is very flexible. And the same equipment that's used to pasteurize juice could also be used for for apple juice, could be used for grape juice or for milk or even chicken soup or anything else, liquid. Um, The the equipment is very flexible and you know, change the parameters a little this way and all that way and all of a sudden it could process something else, which means is that pasteurization potentially um, compromises the status of a juice. Even if the juice is 100% pure, there's the equipment... The fact that it's made on non-kosher uh, on, on, it's pasteurized raises concern, uh, and therefore we tell people that they should buy um, uh, we should buy yeah, people should buy uh, juices uh, even if it's 100% pure fruit juice it should be bought with hashgacha. now, one uh, exception to this is I mentioned orange juice um, and I, I mentioned it before about being something that's pasteurized, and it is pasteurized um, but <clears throat> Uh, just just the way that it's done um, it, it ha- t- makes us feel that um, it's better to buy it with hashgacha, but if there are no brands that are available that with hashgacha, then it's okay to buy it, assuming it's a refrigerated orange juice, not one that's shelf-stable, not one you know, it has to be one that goes in the refrigerator, and that there are no other ingredients that are kosher-sensitive, mix into there. Okay, now, let's move on to <clears throat> another category, within sort of within the juices. I mentioned that in passing, which is grape juice and wine. Now, Grape juice and wine, which are not mavushal, uh, if they get touched or poured by someone who is not Jewish, they become asr So, any product that has grape juice or wine in it automatically needs hashkaha um, That means the juice or the wine itself, obviously, but even something else, if it has, I don't know, mustard that has wine in it, automatically we need hashkaha because of those sensitive ingredients. Uh, not everything that's, not all grape juice and wine will, is actually called grape juice or wine. Some other names... Um, that they might go by are, I'll just mention a bunch, uh, brandy or champagne or cognac or grapple, mark, port, sherry or vermouth. All of those are items that are made with or from grape juice or wine. Uh, and they all need hashkocha because of this concern of that they might be stanyan. um Now, while mentioning this, excuse me, there are many manufacturers who sweeten drinks with what's called white grape juice concentrate, um, which is a way of getting the sugary portion out of the grape juice, um, it makes their labels look n- nicer, makes people feel like they're getting something healthier than just getting sugar. Um, and since it's made from grape juice, um, <coughs> it needs hashgaha, as I've been mentioning. Uh, and sometimes companies will use a more ambiguous term instead of telling you what kind of fruit juice is in something, they'll just say fruit juice. Um, and that's, that's a, some, that's makes a person be suspicious. Um, and it makes a person be have to, you should be more cautious to say, hmm, maybe that juice that's in there is grape juice, or maybe sometimes it's grape juice. And that's why they're using this ambiguous term, uh, fruit juice. Okay, now let's move on to a uh, next item, and that is soda. Um, soda is made, all sodas are made of five components, and they are water, carbonation, like, you know, carbon dioxide, some kind of a sweetener, flavor, and then some minor ingredients. Okay, which are all kinds of different minor ingredients. Now, <clears throat> we are, I already told you earlier that water and the carbon dioxide don't pose any cashless concern. The sugar and the sweeteners are also innocuous. And the minor ingredients are usually either innocuous or batabashishim. So of our five ingredients, we're covered on four of them. and We don't have any serious cashless concerns with those of the four. So um, another thing is, wait, another thing is that because the soda is carbonated, um, it won't spoil that in itself affects the pH and it's not the, the soda themselves will not spoil so they don't need to be pasteurized or hot processed at all okay uh, actually it's just the opposite Co- sodas are are uh, processed specifically at cold temperatures because it helps keep the carbon dioxide better inside the drink. so <clears throat> four of our five components don't pose gas concern we don 't have to worry about the equipment that it's made on because there's no hot that isn't processed hot. So what we do have to care about is the flavor. Okay, the difference between one soda and the next has to do with the flavor. And therefore, a person can only eat, drink soda that has hashgach on it. Now, the, the, the good news here is that since the flavor is the only concern, so if I know a specific flavor, I don't know, cherry Pepsi, I know that that flavor is certified kosher, then you could drink it even if there's no logo on the bottle of the can. That is to say is there's only gonna be a logo on the package if there's hashkoch, even on the bottling facility, um, but <clears throat> but if there's no logo and it is that specific thing, it's uh, the Fanta uh, Fanta Orange, the, and the, if Fanta Orange, if the Fanta Orange, the, the component that creates that flavor is known to be kosher, then you could drink it re- regardless of which contain, you know, whether the package has a logo or not in it, and. Uh, and in order for people to figure that out, well, how would I know whether Fanta Orange is or is not kosher? So the CRC and others keep lists. They you know they work with the hash- they find out from the hashgachos which uh, varieties have hashgacha, which of those flavors have hashgacha. Most of them do of the big brands, and then they keep the compile a list for people to know which ones they can drink about. now. Now, this that I've told you about the sodas, about how you can drink them when you know the that the flavor is certified, has one serious one significant caveat to it, and that is. Um, the the flavors that are made by these large producers, I'm thinking like Coke and Pepsi and Dr. Pepper, the three big producers of soda in the United States, they're only certified when they're made in the United States or Canada. If the same exact product, when you pick up, I don't know, uh, Grape Fanta in Europe or South America might not have might not be made in the, the same way or with the same ingredients as are made or the same suppliers of ingredients as they are in the United States, and therefore the list Of approved beverages, approved sodas is only reputable in countries that they were made for. So, if the list says these are made for the United States, only made for the United States and Canada, then that's fine. If it says Mexico, if it says that it is, then it is. But otherwise, you should not assume that just um, sorry, just because it's good in one place, that means it's going to be good in in a different location. Because in fact, um, the recipes sometimes are not the same, and even if the recipes are the same, the uh, the ingredients may not be the same uh, in one place that the ingredients used over here, which i made sure that they're kosher might not be the same suppliers in other places. Like that. Okay. Our, our next category is energy drinks. Um, energy drinks have many more ingredients than sodas do. Uh, and that in itself is a reason why they need hashgacha. They're not, they're not as simple or as straightforward as sodas are. Also most in, in a lot of cases, the energy drinks are not carbonated. And as a result, not always, but all, in many cases, they need to be pasteurized to keep them from spoiling. Uh, and since uh, th- that pasteurization involves heat uh, and that, though that equipment is invariably used for other beverages also, therefore you need to have hashkacha to make sure that not only the ingredients were kosher, but that the equipment was kosher when this, when this specific drink that you want was processed. Okay, and now, our last section um, <clears throat> is about alcoholic beverages. Um, I'm going to give just a brief Overview of the potential issues that there could be with alcoholic beverages. Um, and b- before I tell you uh, the potential issues, I, I just want to throw out that there are two things which complicate the hashgacha or the kashas of alcoholic beverages. First is um, that there's no, in most cases, there's no legal requirement for the producer to put the ingredients um, on the package. They 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 don't have to write anything. They just type the name of the uh, type the name of the product, and they don't have to tell you what's in it. So that sets us back. We can't know what's in there because they don't tell us what's in there. And the second is um, <clears throat> most of these products don't have hashkach on them. It's not there's more and more every day, but not for, not like other types of foods. So it's really hard to know what you could drink. Okay, so now that we know that that sort of introduction, there are four potential reasons, four potential issues that there could be with alcoholic beverages. Um, the first is like this, the, the, the most, the, the, the base recipe for a bourbon or tequila, beer, these kind of things are pretty straightforward. Um, everybody knows that you make beer from the following ingredients or bourbon from these ingredients, but companies eat all kinds of things to to make their product better than the other guys. And the sh- reason why you should buy my product instead of that person's product um, the, in, traditionally, the most serious concern that there was, was that there might be stamyain mixed into it, like, you know, wine or grape juice mixed into it. But in more recent years, people had all types of things. Flavors and lactose. Lactose is the sugar from milk. Um, oysters, clam juice, and who, who knows what else. People have been adding all types of things into there. Um, and in order to uh, evaluate whether that is or is not a concern with a specific thing, someone really needs to know excuse me, what the Regulations are for different uh, products and what the common practices in the industry. What do people, what are the laws about making sake? What's the practice of people who make scotch? What do they, how do they do it? What do they do? So you have to know what's legal and you have to know what's actually being done in practice to understand how much of a concern it is for each particular product. The, the second issue is um, even if there are no ingredients, um, these products, almost all of them, are distilled, which is to say, it's, it's it, that's a, a way of heating up the, the the beverage to concentrate the amount of alcohol that's in there, um, and the same uh, and in this or, or for that matter it might have been even produced also on and I'm sorry sometimes the, the production the the creation also involves heat, and the concern is that that same equipment might be used for not just for this specific beverage that's in your hand but for something else also which would make the kalem not kosher. Um, this issue is even more serious when we deal with small manufacturers like a craft brewery, where they might make um, all their products are made in small batches, and they make many different products. You know, they, they can make five different things on the same day. Um, so it goes straight from something that was drave to something that was kosher, and w- which would compromise the kosher product. Okay. Third issue is um, that it's a, a long-standing practice for people who make liquor that they age it for many years. To make the uh, to improve the, the taste of the beverage now the aging itself is not a cautious concern but um, companies have c- many companies have come to decide that aging their product in a barrel that used to hold wine um, improves the product um, for some reason they, they, they like to use barrels that held cherry or port those are types of wine um, but or any kinds of wine barrels people have you know companies have started doing that more and more now there's lots of there are many different opinions, halachically, whether that causes a concern. Um, a simple reading of the Gemara and the price scheme would tell us that it should not be a concern, but some of the more recent price scheme have said is, um, maybe there are other ways on the scene, those Mercurius. And it could be that this, the fact that the company specifically wants the wine barrels might affect the denim that we see in the Gemara, uh, because the people here are specifically trying to get that flavor into their, into their beverage. Okay, now that was our third issue. So the, the wine barrels, according to some, is poses a concern. Now our our last issue is is sort of an outgrowth of this third one. And that is <clears throat> if whiskey is aged, uh whiskey typically is aged for many years, um, and if the owner of the company is Jewish, then that means is every year come Pesach time, he's gonna be confronted with all the schematic that he has. That he can't get rid of because that's his. He needs to hold it for many years. It's not like a cookie company that, come Pesach, we could sell it all our cookies. Um, because here he needs to hold it for many years. Well, that means is that he would have to do a mechiras hametz He have to sell his chametz to someone who's not Jewish as a way to get it out of his possession. If he doesn't do that, then that liquor is going to become usher forever as chametz l'aval Pesach. Now, that that is to say is most of us think of chametz l'aval Pesach as an issue, you know right after Pesach, of someone who is Jewish who owns something over Pesach. But in this way, something could be over Pesach six months later, because it was, it's been held over for many years. It was aged, let's say, for five years. <clears throat> it means it's for five Pesachs, so it was owned by someone who's Jewish. If he didn't do Bechir's chametz, it'll be also whenever he chooses to bring it to market. Now, you might think, oh, come on, how many companies are there that are, not, that are Jewish and then don't do Bechir's chametz? Well, it turns out that there are quite a number of prominent whiskey companies that are owned by Jewish people. Some of them are very good about doing mechiras um, either for their own religious knowledge. Or, you know, they want to do the right thing, or because they know that they should do that so people will buy it. But uh, others don't. There are large uh, manufacturers who are Jewish-owned. You know, they own Jewish people who own these companies, and they do not do mechiras Um, How would you know which which one is or is not? Again, it's someone who needs to understand the industry uh, and have you know, been, you know, involved to know which are the ones that are safer or or more of a concern because of this issue. Um, So because of these different four reasons that I mentioned, again, it was just an overview. We weren't going into the details of specific beverages. Um, It's best, the the most, the obviously first choice is to buy uh, alcoholic beverages that have hashkacha. That means there's someone who's overseeing it, who makes sure that everything is done properly. Um, If not, then an alternative is to find a list, of Some you know approved items that are someone who is knowledgeable of the industry uh, has thought through and gone through to decide which items are okay and which ones are not.